I'm Liam O'Donnell. And you're listening to episode 152 of Cinepunks. Cinepunks! Cinepunks! 152, 152, what's up? I'm really surprised. Hey, everybody. Oh, man, you sound so good. It's so good <laughs> to talk to you, Liam, as always, as always. It's been a long, it's, it, we've talked a couple times, like, on the friend tip, but we haven't, like, yeah. been we that much. We have recorded in a minute. Been, yeah, we both are really busy. We did that awesome episode with Willow. What up, Willow? Mm-hmm. She's the What's best. What's up, Willow? Willow um, came with me to go see Men. And, oh, uh, I love Jody that. Carolla's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's in my Whacking on Track session. Coming up. Oh, cool. Coming up, we'll we'll coming do it. Up. We'll do it. We'll get there. We're gonna get there soon. Um, but we just we haven't had a chance to record, and we had the idea for this episode because after we did the episode with Willow, I thought, okay, so what have we not talked about? And I'm kind of surprised because there's a small window. We've talked about this a little bit, but maybe we have some new listeners. Me and Josh only have a few exploitation movies we agree on. Right. Like, mm, let's yeah. say genre of exploitation. We love black exploitation. Right. We do. Yes. We love Hong Kong martial arts cinema, you know, 100 percent. Yes, and and Hong Kong action cinema to a certain extent. Mm, yeah. To a certain extent. To a and, certain extent. And then the other thing that we love that I think still falls within exploitation, though, I think that's unfair because I think most of them are actually artistic movies. Even I would actually argue that even the most exploitative samurai film is filmed better than most Hollywood movies of its era. You know what I mean? Like, they, yeah, no, they, I would agree with that. They look beautiful. Even if blood is spiling out of a severed head, they look fucking mm-hmm. beautiful. So we decided Gorgeous. to do an episode on samurai films. Uh, I chose 1969, 68. Hold on, let me look that up before I say it. <laughs> I think it's 69. Yeah. I chose 1969's uh, Goyokin, which I might be mispronouncing, uh, but uh, whatever, it's... It literally was what I wanted. Well, well, so Josh and then Josh picked. What year is the uh, 2011's Harakiri, Death of a Samurai, which is of Fuck. course, which is of course a remake, right? It's a remake yeah, a remake of, of uh, the original Harakiri from '63. N- now, how familiar are you with that original Harakiri? I've never seen the original. So the thing uh, with Harakiri, the the Mike one. Well, let's get to it. We'll get to it. Um, first, all, all I we- wanted to say is I chose Goyokin because I. My first impulse was to say, oh, he's choosing a newer samurai movie. I should choose a classic movie. And I've seen a lot of the classics. But it suddenly occurred to me that on I was like, let me look at some people's lists. And on multiple lists of greatest samurai movies of all time, this is one of the few movies that I had never seen. And I thought, yeah, fuck it. We'll just watch this. And if it sucks, whatever, then it's not on me. Right. Because everybody else said it was good. But I really (laughs) liked it. So we'll we'll get into the whole thing. 100 percent first time watch for for me, too. So, you know, I had a time. I have a uh, thing to say. Ah, uh, ah, uh, uh. all right. But before we say any of those things, what should we be saying, Liam? First and foremost, we want to thank you. Say thank you to our supporters on Patreon. Uh, just a little reminder: if you do support us on Patreon and you have a suggestion of a topic for a show, hit us up. Uh, I try to get to those. We got a couple not that long ago that we haven't gotten to. That's just our scheduling issue, but we'll get there soon. Uh, <laughs> also, if you would like a Cinepunk shirt, I have a ton of them. They're not really moving on the website. So hit me up with your size. I will send you a Cinepunk shirt. I might send you two, depending on how much I like you. And uh, 
you know, check out check it out. Patreon.com backslash Cinepunks. It, it here's the deal. We're not walking home with any money from this. We're not like, you know, buying a, a cool stuff for ourselves. The Patreon really just covers our costs. It lets me do a little bit of advertising. It lets me help out some of the other podcasts on the network. Our goal, our stretch goal is I want to pay people. I want to make enough money to pay people. And I don't think I need a lot of money for that because, as we said, this is a volunteer organization. So I don't need this to be anyone's career. But I don't feel bad that when people put in good work for us, there's no compensation right now, you know, unless they find mm-hmm. their own sponsors or they set up their own Patreon, which, by the way, Twitch of the Death Nerve, Sam Deegan, she has her own Patreon. That's great. You know, people support her. And through supporting her, support that show, and it's awesome. Now, again, they all work jobs. No one's living off of that show. But it's a way for them to feel compensated. I'd love for that to be us. I'd love for me to say, hey, you know what? Use that Patreon money for something else. Here's some money to give to you every episode. And we yeah, can't do we'd that We'd love right to now. do that for every show on the yeah. network, honestly. Yeah. We could. It would be amazing to do that. And we just can't do that yet because we're still trying to grow that Patreon. So tell a friend to check it out. Thank you for your support. We love you. Of course, we also have to thank uh, a recent guest on an upcoming episode of Horror Business that should be out hopefully before this episode is Christopher Reject. Why do we need to thank Chris Reject, Josh? Well, not only did he create the Lehigh Valley's premier screen printing cabal. Yeah, right. Come on. XLVACX.com, the Lehigh Valley Pal Creations. He also invited the Crosskeys to play the Weyerbacher Brewery at the um, Bash at the Brewery Wrestling Show. Which is fun. That's fun. I have to double thank Chris for not only supporting CP, but also CK, right? Like, that's us. That's me. It's like he's like a full Josh Alvarez machine. You know what I'm saying? So I appreciate cool. that. Yeah, he's on the team. Yeah, man. And and makes me feel on the team. And that's, you know, that's that's a hard thing to do, Liam, when you're me, right? Like, I don't know. Like, uh, us here at, at Cinepunk's headquarters, we're always perpetual outsiders. It's kind of who we are, you know what I mean? Like, and that's fine. So to find a friend like Reject that actually not only accepts me as a friend, but also appreciates and praises multiple of my projects, that's a sponsorship that goes beyond any material good it's a sponsorship on a spiritual level that i truly appreciate and that's why i say to you now dear listener if you have a band that you'd like to promote or maybe you have a dungeons and dragons role-playing game crew that needs a t-shirt or maybe you're on a sports team that you need matching shirts to denote you know that you're a team together you know what i'm saying hit up xlvacx.com for the Lehigh Valley Apparel Creations. Yep. And they will get you straight. Tell Chris that we sent you, tell him the Cinepunk sent you. And um, don't be surprised when he charges you 10% more after you say something. <laughs> Why would you say that? That's ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. But um, yeah, yeah. We love Chris and uh, we love LVAC. So hit them up. They're definitely awesome people. And they definitely will do, do right by whatever project you bring to them. For we all your want- screen printing needs. We also want to thank Aaron Dahlbeck and uh, uh, and his company, Essex Coffee Roasters. They support us as well. Uh, if you are interested in quality coffee made easy, uh, if you want the freshest uh, roasted beans, uh, quality tea, or maybe some sick merch to go along with all that, head on over to EssexCoffeeRoasters.com. And on your way out, uh, put the code in CINEPUNK, C-I-N-E-P-U-N-X, for 10% off your order. 
Aaron's best, and he just wants to offer you amazing coffee. So check out quality Essex, coffee. Quality Essex, coffee. Yeah, EssexCoffeeRoasters.com. And of course, this episode, like most episodes of the last couple of years, is edited by our friend Sharky over at Mechanical Shark Media. Uh, over at Mechanical Shark, they do all kinds of stuff, Josh. They do video production. They do audio production. They do special effects. You know, Sharky uh-huh. made they a do giant. Puppets. Yeah, he made he made a giant eagle for the set of a play in his area. You know, he so does cool. he does a uh, uh, live streams of his uh, his friends over at the Brazilian Jiu Jitsu uh, 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 studio where he 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 rolls. Uh, he does live streams of their of their events there. He's done music videos for people. He does the editing on this, and he supported other podcasts recording production sound editing quality all that stuff he even did recently a uh, a fun little video to help support a uh, hard business uh basically it's just a clip <laughs> of us of it's basically a clip of me yelling at Justin for messing up his sound and then Chris reject making fun of me for it so anyways sharky's the best go to mechanicalsharkmedia.com he's got a whole business there where he can help you accomplish the media goals that you have even if you aren't sure if he's the one that can help, hit him up anyway, because he can maybe point you in the direction of where you need to go. And I, I really appreciate that about him. So that's all our thank yous, Josh. What do we got to do now? What's the next step here on the show? We do something now. Mm-hmm. I'm sure of that. Yeah, and it's called Whack It On Track! Oh, you got me this time! You totally got me Whack It On Track! I knew this time I could only get you if I did oh, it right away. Man, so good. So good. So, Liam, what have you done recently that is Whack? Or what have you done recently that is on track? So straight up, y'all, I'm going to have to say that, like, um, uh, I'm struggling a little bit because it's just been a while since we recorded. So I'm like, okay, what have I done? What have I done? I know. And uh, this will probably be on people might have heard the the pit report on a recent Axe to Grind because I recorded it and sent it in. But I went to a show that I wanted to talk about that I, I don't think awesome. I got to talk about on here. And uh, I went to go see uh, Akulu. Oh. Truth- Truth Cult. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Truth Cult's great too. So, okay, let me back up a little bit. I basically, in one week, I did a horror convention, Josh. So let me, let me start there, actually. I did a horror convention for Rough Cut. It was fun. I met some people there. I talked to some people about the podcast, including a very nice gentleman who was not offended at all when I was like, can I ask you, are you Filipino? <laughs> because <laughs> as soon as I met him, I was like, oh, this is like Josh's punk uncle or something you know like he just my I just, uncle yeah he, he he could have been your punk uncle you know um <laughs> and so yeah yeah he's a very nice gentleman um and i told because he was more than just a customer he was being we were having a good conversation i told him about cinepunks and that and that happened a few times at the convention anyone who was talking to me more than just about shirts i would try to bring up the podcast if i thought they were cool and might be into it so anyone who's listening who i met at the at the uh uh, what is it? What was it called? Days of the Dead. Uh, thanks for talking to me. I really appreciate that. Uh, thanks if you bought anything. That that's really great. We did. Was it fun, Liam? Did you enjoy yourself? You know, uh, we did okay. I had fun. I, it's a, here's the thing: setting it up solo was a lot of work, but yeah. then actually working it wasn't bad at all. I thought it was going to be really hard, but I had these really nice folks next to me uh, who. And I, I'm trying to remember the name of their company. It's something like Shocking Silicone or, uh, sorry, I forget. They, they do these amazing lifelike silicone masks where when you put it on, they kind of hug to your face. And you Whoa. give you actually measure your face so they make it fit to your face. And they're expensive. They're like $500, $800 masks, Whoa. but they move when you talk <sighs> and shit. 
it's incredible. They're unbelievable. I'll, I'll it's find like it. Mission Impossible. I'll find it because I don't have it in front of me, but I have it somewhere. I'll find it and I will post it for people to check out because they're so cool and dude was really nice or whatever. They would watch the table so I could go pee. Outside of needing to go pee, it was fine. Um, I will say I definitely prefer an, an outdoor event like the one that we did, Josh, because yeah. there's food trucks and there uh-huh. was no food at this thing. Like I had to, I basically ate out of a cooler all day. So like, Lame. you know, cold meats or whatever, but it wasn't, it wasn't terrible. And it wasn't that long. It was a smaller convention, which is cool. It meant there weren't that many huge stars there, but mm. there was a few people. I will say the only person who came to the table though, was one Mr. Phil Anselmo. And I was like, <laughs> I told Justin, he came by the table. And Justin was like, did he sick high at you after he bought a shirt? And I was like, no, he didn't. That's because he walked away before probably could get to it uh, yeah. but he did buy a shirt so it's hard it's hard to talk too much shit but um anyways so i was at this convention and because i had this convention the week before the convention josh i had the the first show of the farewell tour for friends of the show me without you and i couldn't make it happen i just was like i want to go but it, a it's not cheap b i got other stuff going on this week the other stuff i had going on this week beside the convention i had tickets to see turnstile in Milwaukee. And that's the tour with Ceremony and some other band. I forget which one. Basement, I guess, maybe is on that. Mm-hmm. I forget which one's on it. They're then, here tonight. Yeah. 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 And then Akulu and um, Truth Cult are also on that tour. Well, I couldn't make Thursday happen. Like the whole reason I didn't go to see Me Without You was so that I could go see Turnstile. But then when the night came up for Turnstile, with the convention the next day and getting ready for the convention, I couldn't do it. And so that's not cheap those were like 35 dollar tickets or some shit jesus money out the window i couldn't sell them no one wanted i couldn't get them out i mean to be fair you know it's a huge venue so i'm sure everyone got a ticket that wanted one mm. um but the point is i couldn't sell the tickets either so that's money out the door then i did um. the convention but then that monday night akulu and truth cult were playing in chicago because the 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 turnstile tour didn't go through chicago so they were playing Chicago on like an off night. So I'm like, well, I missed that show in Milwaukee, but I've seen Turnstile and I've seen Ceremony. I've never seen Akulu or Truth Cult. I need to go to this. So this was mm. Akulu, Truth Cult, Distort, you know, it's mm. like Distort, but with a Z, uh, Sector, Home Invasion, and Payasa. Uh, and this is at the Cobra oh. Lounge. Uh, I went into a lot more details on my pit report on Axe to Grind, but I'll just say like, Payas is interesting. I really appreciate them. They're a little more metalcore slammy than I'm into, you know, but they're very political, which I really like. And they definitely have parts that are kind of punky, you know, it's like, imagine a band that's like almost like a, like a beat downy sort of vibe at times, but then they have like punk parts, like fast parts. And I thought that's, nice. that's fun. And I like any band that's like yelling from the stage about abortion rights and, uh, immigration and have songs with lines in Spanish, like cool, sick, great. Then this band home invasion played who I'd never seen, but I'd heard a couple songs online and they're slightly older dudes, but to give you the vibe, they're like younger than us, but older than a 20 year old. Right. And mm-hmm. they opened with a no justice cover. So yeah. that's, and he definitely said, all right, here's a cover. It's a real poser exposer. <laughs> and then it was a no justice song and i was like fuck yeah and uh, i it turns out i follow this dude the singer on instagram because i started following chicago people to find out about shows and shit and i was like oh hey man i didn't realize it was you at the show i really like your band and he's like oh yeah i thought i recognized you you were one of the five people who do the cover 
that. Jesus Christ. Uh, but yeah, they were good. They're, they're, uh, no Justice gives you a bit of like a locking out vibe. They actually uh-huh. have faster parts. They have a few parts that sound like infest. They have a nice. few parts that are more like career suicide-y. But mostly it is just like a, an older style of hardcore that isn't quite as popular right now. But I think they're good. I thought they were pretty good. Mm. Um, and then uh, unfortunately, I missed the band Sector. They're, uh, I think they're local. I think they're like a Chicago band. Very heavy band. Kind of more on the like metallic-y, not quite beat down, but more metallic-y, tough guy sort of stuff. I've mm. seen them before. I think they're pretty good. They're not really my flavor, but they're like fun live. But I was chatting with friends, so I, I totally missed most of their set. Uh, Distort was great, even though the singer had was losing his voice a little bit. Uh, he did... Like he had one of the guitar players do part of the set and then he did the rest of the set, but they were fun. I like that band. They're pretty good. Mm -hmm. And then truth cults. Amazing. They're like one of my new favorite bands. Like I like the records, but live unbelievable dude. And then they played a crucial replacements cover. Just a (laughs) sick, like they made the replacements sound even better than I already think the replacements sound. So I was like, Oh, they did a, what is it? Begins with an A. It's like a dude's name. Alex Chilton. Yes, 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 yes. Every time when they were so playing good. it, I was like, how do I know all the words of this song? And I don't know the name of the song. Fuck, I love that song yeah. so much. So that was the cover, man. You know, it's good for them. It was a good fit for them. They were fun. They're a great band. And then, of course, Akulu was sick. Uh, the sound guy tried to shut the show down before the last song. Uh, but they just played anyway without a mic. And it was fun. And we all got to sing along. And <laughs> it was a good time. So that was a fun show. Uh, but that's about it. I, I don't think I've done any other because I already talked about the MS Paint show, right? Did I talk about that yeah. show already? Oh, uh, no, you didn't. Oh, oh, OK. That must have been before. So uh, then a few weeks ago at the Bee Kitchen, I saw the Spy. Spy was on tour with Gel and MS mm-hmm. Paint. So this show was uh, Spy, Gel, MS Paint, uh, a band called Instill. That's really great. That's from Chicago. That's like a. Uh, you know, um, twenty somethings doing like amazing core, but a little bit, okay. a little bit heavier. It's like, uh, you know, they're they're dudes who like Turning Point and bands like that. But then there's a little bit of like more modern edge to it. You know, a little bit of mm. uh, American Nightmare parts, a little bit of like uh, Killing the Dream sort of uh, stuff. It's fun. It's definitely like guys who grew up going to see Cold World, and now they're. In in their minds, they're old people in the scene. But to me, I'm like, you're you're all still children. It's fine. Young bucks. Yeah, they were they <laughs> they were having a fun conversation about what sort of cover they should learn, and they were saying that since only their singer is straight edge, they should learn a chain of strings song. So good. And I thought that was a really I good. That. Yeah, hundred percent back. Yes, do it. Band was good, and then there was a band. The opening band was a band called Hold My Own. I don't know anything about them, but it's it's like dudes from chicago and dudes from jersey because that dude greg that dude greg who is in the mongoloids sings for that band but a lot of the people who play in the band are from chicago Chicago. so yeah i don't know it's not really my vibe a little more heavy than i'm into at the moment you know what i mean like Mm. a little more like moshy than i'm into at the moment but uh anyways show was great ms paint i gotta say if y'all missed that spy ms paint gel ms paint show or tour rather uh you missed out ms paint's amazing it's a great band. Gel, of course, is sick. And then Spy lived up to the hype live. Like, they were just awesome. So nice. it was a great show. Like I said, I did a pit report on it, so maybe people heard that on Next to Grind. But if not, uh, it was great. And if for whatever reason you haven't checked out any of those bands, I really, really recommend them. They're really good. And MS Paint, I wasn't sure how it would play live, but it was even more crazy live, and I had a lot of 
fun. It was a fun time. So uh, as far as movie stuff, I haven't seen a ton of newer things. I did see The Northman, which I know you, you also saw. Yeah. Did you I talk about The Northman last time? I did. You did. Did you like mm-hmm. it? I love yeah, it. Yeah, you loved it. Right, right. I'm a little bit less excited about it in my mind. Um, I really like what's his name. Uh, and I, I, you know, I like a lot of the performances in it. I thought mm. some of the digital stuff was like kind of jarring. Like I didn't think it looked very good. Mm. Um, and maybe that's because I didn't see it in the theater. I saw it at home and maybe oh, yeah. in a the theater, the digital effects looked less rough, but to me, they looked bad. Like really they looked bad. amazing in the theater, the whole cinematic experience of it to me, man, it didn't, it didn't, I only saw it twice and I saw it in the theater both times. So I, I, on watching it at home, I was not fully wrapped up in it. I thought it was a little stupid at times. Whoa. Yeah. I I was kind of like, I don't really care about this character and I don't really care about his revenge. Yeah. I wasn't, I wasn't that into it, but on the other hand, parts of it were pretty badass, and I love, what is her name? Anya Taylor joy. Is that? Yeah. She's so good. She's really good in it. Like the scene at the end when he jumps off of the boat and she just starts like, that chant, that weird yeah. like curse yeah. that she does there. Yeah. Holy fuck. No, I hear you, man. There are parts I thought were really badass, but uh, like when he goes, I thought all the stuff when he went to Valhalla was terrible. Really? Like, just ugly shit. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't oh, wow. Into I it. was into that. Uh, again, <laughs> maybe it's a difference between I watched it at home on my shitty TV. Maybe if I had seen it in a theater, it would look better and I'd be into it. But I don't know. I was medium on it. And I, 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 let's let, let me put it this way. It's pretty good. I love him though. I love yeah. uh, Dave Eggers. And so uh I want Brandon Eggers. Oh, Brandon. Is that right? I think so, yeah. Whatever. I love the director. <laughs> I love The Witch and I love The Lighthouse. Granted, that's no. only two movies. But but still. I, I didn't I did not like this even nearly as much as those. Uh which is not to say it's necessarily bad, but just parts of it didn't really work for me, and I was really surprised. But maybe I was too excited to watch it like i definitely sat down to watch it like this is going to be the best fucking thing ever robert the we're best both wrong. Is that his name first, is robert oh, robert oh yeah sorry the best is that after i saw it i saw it with scully and on the walk back to the l or whatever i yeah. told scully that it sounded like eye of every storm by neurosis to me sure yeah and he's like i've never listened to neurosis i was like bro put your headphones in as soon as i say goodbye and put that first jam from I have every storm on and you can't tell me that that doesn't sound like we just, what we just did for two hours. And, uh, he, he texted me. He's like, it sounds so epic. It does. <laughs> so good. Uh, you and your neurosis love. I love neurosis. God damn it. I was listening to their old stuff recently. I was like, actually, this Pain is of mind. Good. Yeah, yeah. It's so good. Yeah. Enemy of the sun neurosis. You can't tell me like put that thing on and I want to die. <laughs> Cause that's how good it is. I love it. Through silver um, and blood neurosis? Oh, come on. I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm still iffy. I got to go back and listen. Whenever I saw them live, I was always a little bit bored. I was like, oh, no. hell no. no. Yeah, that's on you, man. No. Yeah. Uh, uh, nah. <laughs> Maybe that's what it is. I'm less in love with unbridled male aggression the way you are. You're, you're into it. Yeah, very clearly. That's why I wear <laughs> floral shirts every time I'm conjuring on stage. I'm just saying, you like neurosis, yeah, so there true. you go. You're right. You're definitely not wrong about that. Um, <laughs> let me think. I think that might be it, though, movie-wise. Uh, I've been meaning to rewatch Everything Everywhere All at Once uh, uh, with Susan, because she hasn't had a chance to see it. Yeah, um, actually, I don't think, I don't know if Milani saw it yet. 
Yeah, so I really want to see that with her. I still haven't seen the Nick Cage movie. I really want to see that. Mm-hmm. Uh, did we already talk about Doctor Strange? No, I guess we didn't talk about that. Wasn't out the last time we recorded. No, it right? wasn't. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mostly liked it. I think yeah. that I I agree with people who feel like the script is a little rough. The script's a little rough. Sure. Um, I feel like the Sam Raimi of it all is is I love that. The nerd service of it all. I know there are people who who hate that stuff. I love it. Like, give me all the mm. stuff, especially because yeah. this one was a little bit mean, right? It was like, yeah. Oh, we'll give you Professor X, and then and then we'll. Oh, that's a spoiler. I shouldn't say. Yeah, that, there, I got yelled at for spoiling stuff. So no, you're not. right. You're right. Let's not do it. Let's just say there are ways that the film gives you things and then takes them away that I think is very smart and good. Yeah. Um, that being said, the it's a crime what they did to America Chavez. It's a fucking crime. She's not only not a character, she's just the MacGuffin of the movie. She just gets to yeah. talk while she's being the MacGuffin. That's lame. That's not cool. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that, in fact, all the female characters, except for Scarlet Witch, who's the villain, so of course the villain gets to be a character, but all the not villain female characters, they're kind of side pieces. They're kind of like, pawns they're not really like they're not quite extras but they're not important and they don't give a lot of moments to show a lot of character and i just think it's i don't think that's like misogyny per se although it's easy to make it seem that way i think it's just the movie doesn't have time i think the movie's like they're trying to do so many things a two-parter i think for sure I mean, I hate to say it because people don't like these it should have been a show i think that would have been a sick six episodes on disney plus Six yeah. hours of material. You space it out. You give us some more character beats. We get to see America Chavez be a little bit more character. I also, um, I don't know because I don't read the comic as much, but I feel like America Chavez is supposed to be Afro-Latina in the in the comic book. So that's a little bit of a bummer. Um, but she's certainly a stronger character in the comic book. And I think the idea is that maybe she's a little bit younger here than she is in the comic book. But that isn't enough for me. Like, I just want her to be a more of a character. So that's a bummer. Uh, still it's pretty fun. Like I, I don't get the people who've been writing it off fully, which isn't a lot of people, but I've seen people sort of be like, Oh, the shit sucks. And I'm like, eh, it's entertaining. <laughs> I don't get it. And, and I also think sometimes that people have a higher idea of what Marvel movies are than I do. So they're like, well, I wasn't like deeply moved by this the way I was by, Endgame. I'm like, yeah. No. Well, I wasn't deeply moved by Endgame, so there you go. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, it, it's it's fun. It has some cool elements, and Sam Raimi gets to do Sam Raimi shit, which he hasn't gotten to yeah. do for a while. Which so, is so like, fun. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with any of that. I'm I'm on board. Um, like I said, the only thing that actually went from just not great to actually bad was how they treated that character. But I get the idea that like, well, they're gonna have she's gonna be more important in the future. Mm. Cool. I get that. But I just wish she was given a little teeny bit more to do in this movie. That's just all. a little bit more agency now. Yeah, exactly. So still, I think if if people like Marvel, and especially if they like Marvel for being weird and nerdy, then this is getting there. You know, it's still not as weird as it could be. Like, I think these movies could be fucking psychotic because the comic books are psychotic. You know what yeah. I mean? Mm-hmm. But it's get it's getting pretty close, Josh. It's getting close to crazy with these things, you know? I'm loving it, man. I'm yeah. having a great time. I don't yeah. Know. I had fun. I totally had a good time. So I, I still think, think that um, everything everywhere all at once is a superior multiverse movie. That's just me. Oh, I mean, I'm it's okay not even that. a fair comparison at this point. Yeah. Like, I just I'm think just that putting it out there, whatever. It's cool. I think this only came up because there there was literally a review because I've seen people be like, oh, why is everything everywhere all at once being put up next to Doctor Strange? 
there was literally a review that was like, after the after the shame that was everything everywhere all at once, here comes Doctor Strange to do a real multiversal project. Oh wow! And I was no. like, oh, you should be ashamed of yourself. Yeah, that makes me want to pull out nunchucks and fight somebody. Yeah, fuck all that. All right, what about you, Josh? I've talked enough. Um, whack! I got hit by a car. Yeah, I was, I was I'm riding sorry, my bicycle. Buddy, that sucks. And a car turned. And let me tell you something. I just put a basket on the front of this bike because I like to carry things, Liam. And sometimes when you're riding a bicycle, carrying things isn't just the best way to do it in a backpack. Sometimes you just want to have it in the front. You know why? Because it's aesthetically pleasing. Yeah. And um, yeah, I smushed the shit out of that thing. And um, it was I was on Delaware Ave and a car was next to me and they were going and a person just turned, didn't signal Nothing. No look. But when he was turning, our eyes locked for a brief moment. And then the front tire of my car hit the door. His, uh, the front tire of my bike hit his door. And then my bike went forward and I slammed my head like the side of my head on the window. And then the bike went, I went over the handlebars, Liam. And then I was on the ground. And there was a moment when I was looking at the sky and I thought to myself, I think I'm dead. Why haven't I been eating any carbs for just it to all end on Delaware Ave with me being dead? That's what I thought, Liam. It was fucked up. And then the dude drove away and no one stopped. (laughs) Just Joey in the street with a bike mangled. And then, you know, I realized I wasn't dead. So I got up, got myself together, and I rode the rest of the way to work. So the bike was kind of okay, not counting the, the smushed up basket that I just put on there. But, my, you know, my personhood was un, un, unbothered for the most part. Couple scrapes, couple scratches, a little bit of blood, but I was okay. Nothing broken. Although I do have a troublesome wrist pain now. So that's also whack. So that's whack. That's I what I did that, that was All whack. All that is whack. All of it sucked. Do not recommend. On track. I met Paul Bellini and Scott Thompson at the Mouth Congress show uh, at the Philomoca, which longtime listeners of the show know Joey doesn't really bang with the Philomoca anymore. But if there's any one thing that's going to get me back in through those doors, it's members of the kids in the hall. And guess what? I saw it. It was great. Um, They did a documentary on Mouth Congress, which was their art punk band right at the beginning of Kids in the Hall, and we watched the documentary, and it was their first non-Canadian show because they're doing a tour, and then they played a set of Mouth Congress songs, which, again, Scott Thompson and Paul Bellini. Paul Bellini came out in his towel. It was amazing. Holy shit. My mind was fucking blown. Can I say that? Blown. And um, it was awesome. Uh, So I saw that. I also saw the Sleaford Mods last week, which, uh, again, listeners of the show know, Josh is a big fan of the Sleaford Mods, so got to see that. That was really fun. It was at the Foundry, a band called Sorry Opened, and that was weird because they were like a guitar band, and then Sleaford Mods came on, and it was like watching a nervous breakdown in real time with a British man and another British man with a computer. It was great. And then um, the other thing that I did was I got to see Hairspray which um, Hairspray played at the Merriam Theater, which is now known as the Miller Theater. Um, And it was really good production. And Miss Nina West from RuPaul's Drag Race played the role of Edna Turnblatt. And it was awesome. And um, 
the whole thing was really, really fun. I, I mean, it's been a while since we've seen any musical theater, preferring, of course, the more dramatic stuff. But uh, I had a really good time. And it's, you know, John Waters. So come on, man. It's super fun. So that was a good time. Um, as far as movie stuff goes, I saw the movie Men, the new A24 movie sure. uh, by Alex Garland, um, director of Ex Machina. It was uh, it's a troublesome movie. It's if someone were to ask me what that movie is about, I would say it's about microaggressions towards females in our society. And um, it is a horror movie. It is that movie exponentially elevated to straight up just horror. And it's pretty good. I mean, I really like it. If you like Alex Garland, if you liked Ex Machina, if you liked um, Annihilation, this is this is for you. Um, it's disturbing. It's it's the kind of movie that you think about after a while. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. The other movie that I saw is This Much I Know to Be True, which is the new movie starring Nick Cave and Warren Ellis. And it is the concert footage of their new album, Carnage, that came out during the pandemic, which is not a bad Seeds production. It's just Nick Cave and Warren Ellis. Um, it's awesome. It's a really fun movie because it's like a concert movie, right, of all those songs. But also, um, it starts off with Nick Cave talking about how he's taken up sculpture during pandemic, and he made 13 statues about the devil. <laughs> it's so wild. And it's him just walking through each of them. He's like, this one is the devil as a child. This one is the devil with a fawn. And they each had, like, different names and all that stuff, and it was really cool. Um, huge Nick Cave fan. And also, like, they he talks about part of his writing process, and they do uh, most of the songs, plus a couple songs from Ghost Teen, which is the last uh, actual Bad Seeds record that came out. Mm -hmm. um, but, yeah, super-duper fun. Really enjoyed that. Oh, and I saw Mark Marin last night at the Keswick Theater. And... Um, yeah, that was really fun, too. I don't really know Mark Maron all that much. Melani's a big fan. And unfortunately, uh, some of our friends got sick, but they had tickets. And I'm like, listen, if you want these tickets, we got them. And me and Melani took them because that's what me and Melani do. Sure. We go see shows. So we saw Mark Maron at the Keswick last night, and he his set was, like, literally two hours long. And, I mean, you know, people listen to the show, and he's, you know, podcasts like King and all that stuff. And he's on all these movies and TV shows and all that stuff. He got real about the death of his uh, girlfriend during pandemic that was not covid related that she had like an underlying cancer that they didn't know about yeah i remember when that happened oh my god he had a joke about it and it's you know how it is when you just watch an artist go through their process and go through um their catharsis in front of a crowd and you realize that it has nothing to do with who's watching but it's everything about the art that they're putting into the world that was the moment that i felt it during his set when he was just talking about it and he made this joke about it, and it was insane. And he said that that was the first joke that he wrote after she had passed. And it was like, it was, it was really good. It was a really, really good show. So that was on track. Not her dying, but like the show. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. So that's what I got. Whack and on track. That's what it did. It was pretty cool. There's more, but there's, you know, there's a lot. No one wants to hear about that. Anyway. So. Yeah. I what mean, are we talking about? This I mean, week? I think I think that was I think that was a good list. If there's anything else, that's fine. But I think that was a good list. Uh, so yeah, we're doing samurai movies. When we come back, do you want to start with Harakiri or do you want to start with Glyokin? Uh, let's start with Glyokin. Let's do it chronologically. All right. All right, sounds good. When we come back, we're going to talk, be talking about 1969's uh, samurai action drama Glyokin. We'll be right back. 
Today, we're talking about Goyokin and Harakiri, the death of a samurai. Uh, Goyokin, of course, from 1969, Harakiri from 2011. Uh, Liam, why did you yeah. pick Goyokin? Uh, I looked at a few people's lists of the greatest samurai films of all time, and it was a lot of movies I had seen before, uh, which is fine. But mm-hmm. I was just really looking for inspiration. And the one film that showed up on a ton of people's lists that I had never seen was this film, Goyokin, and it had a lot mm. of people talking about it in a really positive light. Its director is uh, Hideo Gosha, which, you know, again, if I'm mispronouncing it, I apologize. And the thing about Hideo Gosha is that he directed Three Outlaw Samurai, mm. Sword of the Beast, and uh, Hunter in the Dark, which are three movies I really like. And I've then, never seen those. Oh, Three Outlaw Samurai. Reality, I think the reality is that I really haven't seen a lot of old samurai movies other than like the Lone Wolf and Cub canon, you oh, know, which bloody. we count those, right? That counts. Yeah, and yeah, 100 percent. I I still think some not all of them, Excuse but me. some of the Lone Wolf and Cul- Lone Wolf and Cub movies are the greatest samurai movies of all time. So like okay. if you've seen those, you're you're in the know a little bit. But I mean, I'm in the know in as much as I've seen a bunch of Zatoichi movies. I've seen, I think, all of the Lone Wolf and Cub movies. 
and I've seen all the Kurosawa ones, right? But honestly, the most samurai movies that I have been seeing are like more modern ones. You know, oh, more man. of like the wuxia we, ones. More maybe, like, we'll, maybe we'll make this a theme where we go through and we pair up a new samurai movie with an old samurai movie. 100% down to do it because I yeah. love, I love what I saw with this episode. And um, first, before we get into the meat of this conversation, I want to give a big up to Doug Tills. Doug Tilly, my man's hooking me up, helping yeah, me out, yeah, helping yeah. us out, making us uh, able to see the movies that we want to see. So thank you so much, Doug. Yeah, I mean, we'll say that up front for people. This movie's hard to find, which is funny because a lot of people I know have seen it. I don't know if they've seen it at a fest or they saw it at a uh, some other event or whatever. If you're looking to watch this online, you're not. It's good luck. Uh, yeah, to, it's to hard be, to find. To be fair, I wouldn't say that Harakiri is everywhere either, which I was really surprised because it's a Mickey movie. Yeah, and it's a modern Mickey movie. So yeah. it's like... Kind of weird. You, you can't find yeah. it. I don't think you can find it for free, right? It wasn't on. No, TV. no, no. I paid for it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I, I mean, it is on a it's certain on Plex. thing that we watch. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's, it's on. Well, it's on it's the on, Plex app, but you have to watch it with ads. If you oh, uh, sure, sure, sure. I think it's also on Terpy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, hmm. Is it? No, no I think you're not. right. Yeah. I think I also paid to watch it. That's crazy. Worth okay. It to me. Uh, yeah. Oh, totally worth it. But just funny that, cause you would think it would be more available. Uh, and let me just say like for people out there who are looking to figure out like what old movies should I pay for the rights to and make available to the public samurai movies, buddy. Yeah, I love man, those shits. Shits is great. Okay. So Goyokin, um, as I said, the director is pretty well known. I, I suspect that the actors in this are pretty well known too. I know that, uh, Tatsuya Nakadai, uh, who, by the way, was in the original Harakiri. Uh, uh, wow. And yeah, it also was in Kwaidan and oh, Seven Kwaidan Samurai and Ron. Kwaidan. And uh, also for me, uh, well, uh, let me just also say Sword of Doom. There's some other class. Oh, Sanjuro. Uh, but mm. was also one of the original voices in The Tale of Princess Kaguya, which oh, wow. you know is one of my favorite. One of your favorite movies of all time and one of Maeve's favorite movies. No, she hasn't watched it yet. It's a little oh. too mature well, for her, I think. Right. Uh, I, don't, well, I don't know why I thought that she loved it too. But No, cool. she likes she likes Miyazaki, but she hasn't really checked out the Ghibli that aren't Miyazaki yet. Mm. Um, also, Tetsuro Tamba, which people might know from Kwaidan and Harakiri. Um, there was someone else in this that I recognize. Was it Ruriko Ahsoka? Yeah, I think so. Anyways, I'm I'm not going to go through. Uh, part of the reason I'm not going to go through the cast is not because they don't deserve it, but because I just butcher everyone's name and that's embarrassing. And you guys can find that information out, like who's in this. I know that, well, I, I feel like a lot of people I've known have seen it. It's not that well reviewed on Letterboxd. Like there aren't that many reviews of it. Uh, so I feel like there's probably people listening who haven't checked it out. Uh, it's, it's a, how do I want to, you know, the tagline is, uh, a guilt haunted samurai warrior attempts to stop a massacre taking place. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's kind of true. Uh, it has a lot of mysterious elements to it. It has a lot mm. of like not filling you in on what's going on right away. Uh, but in essence, a samurai was party to a horrible thing that happened. And years later, uh, he suspects because people are coming for him 
that the Lord that he served that did this terrible thing is going to do it again. And that's why he's trying to take this guy out because he's the one guy who knows what happened. And in the process of investigating that, he connects with another samurai who's a bit more of like a rogue outlaw. And he meets this woman who is the sole survivor of this horrible thing. And the whole thing, the reason it's called Goyokin, which is basically gold Mm -hmm. in Japanese, is that there's an island where the uh, shogun gets all his gold and a local lord uh, massacres a whole village. Fisherman village. Yeah. yeah, fisher village to hide the fact that he's stolen this fucking gold. And because he has all these projects he wants to do that the shogun won't give him support for, he's going to fucking do it again. He's going to kill all these people. And it's basically this money. Yeah. Yeah. And it's basically I think the correct me if I'm wrong, but the murdering of the people is to suggest some sort of like other reason for the gold missing. I, I kind of missed yeah, that like, as to why all these people have to die. The idea was that he killed them because he blamed the missing gold yeah. on them. Yes. Yes. Right. And that they weren't able to find it, but really he took the gold. Right. So this yeah. one, this one samurai, um, uh, Magobe Wakizaka, yeah. he, he has been sort of living as a Ronin doing sword tricks and shit to like hide. And, when they come for him, I'm sure that they think, like, we'll just take him out and be good to go. But man's fucking tough as shit. And he knows yeah, immediately hardcore, why yeah. that they're coming for him. And so there's a lot of drama. There's a lot of interesting fights. I I, I love the staging of some of these fights. It's really cool. Yeah. There's there's some obvious stuff. Like, the last fight is great, but it feels a little bit more like a standard samurai movie thing. But mm-hmm. there's a lot of fights, like, with him hiding in a house, fights where there's fire, fights in the rain fights with yeah. a, a weird Yakuza gang gets involved. There's all these staging of things that are like so fucking creative and interesting. Super unbelievable. Yeah. Super fun. Yeah. There was a lot of parts about this, about this movie that just reminded me of the Ruroni Kenshin movies by Keishi Otomo. And um, it just definitely the concept of the, like these two rogue samurai going after like this, uh, this, this, uh, you know, the, what do I call them? Um, the Chamberlain and all that stuff. Like it definitely was like to, to protect these people. Like it's very, uh, it reminded me, it echoed these more modern samurai movies that I've seen that are more like, you know, catered to like an anime, um, like crowd, you know what I'm saying? I mean, I I do want to say for people listening who are, old school samurai heads this is like us reviewing a leeway record and saying it reminds me of turnstile like, yeah no yeah, i get that course, it's a ridiculous yeah, yeah, yeah. thing to but say but on the other hand also- I, don't, I think it's true though no you're totally right though it's it's the same as like you know uh when i first watched seven samurai I couldn't help but admit that it reminded me of a bunch of cartoons that I had seen that had ripped off the Magnificent Seven, which was ripping off Seven Samurai. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. that's that's just the reality. Is that like you you have a lot more experience with it, and I think you've seen even more than I have of the modern samurai movies, and so that's like where your reference is going to be. And of course, those modern movies are, as you said, adding in anime things that aren't in those old school movies. But those concepts of like these two like just driven by this uh innate um this innate drive to do that which is correct right and to to do that which is righteous like that's a thing that can it that defies genre doesn't it Liam like Uh you'll see that in any type of like war you're doing it for the for the good the general good (laughs) but there is something unique about the the way that the samurai film does it especially because I think 
I think even in movies this old, like like one of the things I would say defines modern samurai films is an inherent critique of the samurai idea itself, especially if you think of a movie like Twilight Samurai. Like that's a very critical movie of 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 uh that those things. Social but cast, I think yeah. but I think even when you watch these old ones, yeah, people are watching them because samurai are badass, but almost always there's an element where it's like also they're really like like it, it, a lot of samurai movies are either about samurai being bad and only one being good or about samurai being mistreated by a system. You know what I mean? Yeah. Being mistreated. Mm-hmm. I, I, and that's a lot stronger, obviously, in Harakiri. But I think mm-hmm. it's present in this movie as well that there's a system. Because even this terrible dude who's willing to do this awful thing, part of the reason he's able to do this awful thing is because the Shogun fucking sucks. Yeah, you know? Shogun's an asshole too. Yeah, almost. I, I, can you name? I I mean, you, I've seen more of these than you, so I'm probably asking an unfair question. But can you name one classic Japanese movie? Like let's say, Where the Shogun film. isn't like the bad guy. Yeah, the Shogun yeah, always no. sucks ass, or yeah. he's too young to be the Shogun, and he doesn't suck ass yet. You know what I mean? <laughs> but he's getting there. He's yeah, getting yeah, there. Yeah yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah. No, this movie was awesome, though. I think visually, this movie was stunning. Unbelievable. And like just like it's weird because the beginning of the movie definitely starts out in a with a like when she gets back to the village and she's looking for her father and for her fiance and there's like everyone's nothing. gone and there's just crows raving. Yeah, the crows. What do you think about all the crows in this movie? Um when they first show up, it's just meant to represent death, right? Crows eat the I, dead. That's what I assume. But then but the, as the time goes on, Magobi and all that. As time <laughs> goes on, they've come to represent. They're in other places too. In fact, I would say this connects to uh, the Northmen. That was one of the things mm-hmm. I liked about the Northmen was the crows being around and the crows being present. It's the same in this movie. The crows have come to represent all those dead fisher f- fisher folk. You know, fish folk. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm. Just um, the look of it though looked so good. Yeah. Just because it was like it the whole movie takes place during the winter, right? So all the samurai are dressed up in their like traditional clothing. And it's very striking against the just the white backdrop, very much like what Tarantino tapped into with Kill Bill in that final scene yeah. with um with Oren Ishii and all that stuff. Yeah. Like it's I could see why Lady Snowblood and all that stuff uh-huh, made such uh-huh. striking and iconic imagery for the yeah. samurai film right like, well and we, it, did, we did a lady cool snowblood episode right we did, yeah, we we did. did and and, and um, lady snowblood too yeah and let me just say to folks if don't let lady snowblood be the end of your exploration of samurai films um yeah it is true that some of these movies probably push the envelope if you're one of our listeners who isn't as stoked on extreme film. I guess there are a few samurai movies that are asking a lot of you. But uh but I think in general, these are beautiful movies. It's Gorgeous these movies. these 100%. were not these yeah. were not like American genre films. Like and I love the plucky American genre film, but there are so many movies you see when you start getting into exploitation from America that feels like bullshit. It just feels like some assholes got together a few thousand dollars and they might have did something that was great like, you know, uh an example that we don't think of this way is Texas Chainsaw Massacre, right? That was a plucky mm. out of nowhere, independent release that could have died on the vine. And instead it changed the face of horror. But for every Texas Chainsaw Massacre, there's 50 other movies that you're like, Oh, the people who made this are assholes. Cause they just <laughs> didn't give a fuck. Uh, the movies that would play with those movies in times square or whatever grindhouse you're thinking of, or at whatever drive-in you're thinking of that were from Japan are not fucking that. Even if they were, 
low budget productions, a lot of times, not always, but a lot of times, this is true of Hong Kong films too. They're mm. fucking beautiful. They're they're yeah. the, the people who made them had a visual sense and that mattered to them. Even when some of the plots are thin as shit or when some of the special effects don't always work, they always look amazing because the people who filmed them were fucking artists, man. And this movie, I think it works narratively. It's super compelling. I think even the acting is really good. I but agree. the star of the show for me is the visual palette, the 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 camera work, the 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 uh the framing of this shit the way that it films action the pans to set up where people are the use of the the, the use uh, of dark in this yeah movie, oh my was God. very like beautiful and elegiac and it like it 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 pays so much service to the to the actual narrative there's yeah. no fat to this movie no even the more silent sequences where things are just kind of there they serve that world building purpose for me yeah, i can't remember i mean we like longer films with slower yeah. pacing, but this is a two-hour movie where I don't really believe you if you say there's a there's stuff that you would cut out. Yeah. Like I feel like it's a it's a solid two hours that it, it's not two hours for excess to give us extra bullshit. Mm-hmm. It no. very much this is the story and it works. And the climax is a good oh. almost half hour. You know, it's like it's twenty five so yeah, minutes. The climax, climax happens like almost with like an hour left in the movie. Yeah, it's and crazy. Like, holy shit, they're gonna really and like once it starts with the fire and all that stuff, you're like, what is going on? And, and it I, just comes to a wailing pitch by the end. And honestly, for me, and again, I've seen a lot more of these than you have, but I'm still no expert. There's a lot I haven't seen. I can't think of a better to this point in my sort of samurai viewing knowledge, a better ending to a samurai film than a lone sad samurai walking across walking a beach away. covered <laughs> in snow. It's like he's, he, you know, he's like he's at the beach in the winter and he's walking away in the snow, just sad, just feeling <laughs> dejected as people play drums in devil masks. The it's drumming amazing, in that scene amazing. though is so good. And the masks are so ridiculous. It's like a nightmare. Yeah. It's so good. It's so awesome. And I don't know about you, Liam, but the transfer that, that I saw, well, yeah, we saw the same one. It just looked beautiful. You know what I mean? Yeah. Again, just the strike. Well, that's what I think. I think this needs, I don't understand how this isn't a Blu-ray Release. Yeah, how this doesn't get like the the vinegar syndrome treatment or like you know whoever, I, and, whoever. and yeah. other people might know more than us. Maybe this does get a, blu- a Blu-ray in Japan and just hasn't come to America yet. I don't know. All I know is when we were trying to find it, we ended up watching. There was we even watched a lower res copy because it had better subtitles. Because the yeah. copy we were trying to watch that was a little bit higher res looked a little bit better. We couldn't get the subtitles to work right, you know. So to me, that says this hasn't gotten the sort of release. I mean, it's certainly not streaming anywhere, even no. in SD. You know, sometimes yeah. on Amazon they'll have SD stuff that hasn't gotten Blu-ray release yet. Mm. I don't think this has gotten a HD release, or at least no, not a widespread I one. Don't so. Think so at all, yeah. Yo, maybe in what Asia, the fuck? Know? Yeah, like this should be this should be playing at your local retro theater. This yeah, should be 100%. at the drive-in. This should be a fucking T-shirt from Rough Cut Fan Club. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah, hundred percent. Back that. Yeah, 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 yeah. This should get the Phantasm treatment. Yeah, one hundred. Oh man. I, I just, you know, I get it that samurai movies are maybe not as hot right now as they once were, but this is a classic. And I really do think, I know it's going to be hard for people to find, 
But if you can find a copy of this to watch it, uh, it is 100% well worth the effort yeah, of seeking it yeah. out and watching it because it's so good. Programmers, if you can find a, 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 a version of it to have at your theater, get that shit because it's we well If we could see this it. shit on the big screen, I would lose my fucking shit. I would lose my mind. 100%. Just saying. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, sorry, well, sorry, 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 sorry. Go ahead. Okay, moving on. My yeah, movie. Let's do let's do Harakiri. Wait, let me let me Harakiri. let me let me finish off just real quick Death and say Let me finish off real quick and say <laughs> as to what I was saying, I do think if you are someone who has only seen modern samurai movies, check out this movie. Also, if you're someone for whom samurai movies begin and end with Kurosawa, I think yeah. I think Goyokin is a good place to start. But again, it's hard to find. Uh, yeah, maybe you but it's wanna, worth the effort. Trust. Maybe you want to do uh, Three Outlaw Samurai, which is another movie he directed, or The Sword and the Beast. Uh, uh, he, and he did a bunch of other samurai movies I've never even seen. So, uh, yeah. Anyways, yeah. Let's talk about Harakiri by legend. Uh, to, to, uh, I don't even remember his first name. Mike. <laughs> Takeshi Mike. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Takeshi yeah. Mike. I fucking love this movie, man. It's yeah, so good. It's funny because like right around this time, the year before he put out 13 Assassins, and I'm pretty sure the same time that Harakiri came out, he also did Ninja Kids. Now, keep in mind, people, we're talking about the guy who directed Ichi the Killer. We're talking about the guy who directed Audition. We're talking about a genre film like mainstay that then branched into into traditional Japanese filmmaking, basically his cover band version of... Harakiri, which is actually the originals on Criterion. There's a Criterion transfer of it. I think, okay, okay. I think what you just described might be the American experience of Mike. Right. That's because, fair. from what I understand, he has always done a variety of movies, and not all of them have gotten U.S. releases. So if you go through his IMDb, now I'm no expert, so I could be wrong. Right. But talking, no to people, talking to people who know more than me, they've said he's always done a variety of movies. It's just the movies that really picked up over here were his more fucked up things, which mm. don't be wrong. He has done some of the most upsetting movies I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, for sure. But I mean, like, think about the fact that um, Blade of the Immortal, that movie is his hundredth movie. Insane. And in a hundred movies, he's run the gamut from brutal exploitation to traditional samurai and back and children's movies. What the shit? Right? Okay. Okay. Mike. Whatever. You either love him or you hate him, I feel like. And yes, the Western experience of the Mike film oeuvre is a limited and myopic scope. I get that. I get that. That said, Harakiri is a samurai movie. That is about everything. Yeah, this I, is agree. An I agree. All inclusive treatise on class culture, on um, fuck, dude. The whole reason that this whole thing happens is because they don't have enough money to pay for a doctor. Like, just think about that shit right there. Like, what? That's insane. And it's such a well put together movie. Again, I've never seen the original, so maybe this is yeah. a good movie to have chosen. No, right. I no, I, I still think it's a good movie you've chosen. I still think it doesn't get the respect it deserves. But knowing that you haven't seen the original, let me say there's going to be someone listening to this who's upset by what we're saying because I think that's why this movie didn't get the respect it deserves. Because I think because a lot of people prefer version. the original, and it's like, uh, have you seen the original? Land? I have, I have. It's an oh. amazing, it's an amazing. How movie. does this hold up to the original? It's not nearly as good, really. But it's different. It's 
this is an I, I I shouldn't even say it that that strong because this is just an opinion, and I think other people will feel differently at different times. In my opinion, the original is just such a masterpiece mm. that this is. But to me, this is what you have to do. He's remaking one of the classics of Japanese cinema. Now, is the movie as popular in Japan as it is outside of Japan? I don't know, actually, which is an mm. interesting question to ask. But I do know as far as the way that outsiders see Japanese cinema, this is up there. This is up there with any fucking uh, Kurosawa film. You know what I mean? Like, it's yeah, just yeah, one yeah. of the most, it's one of the most important Japanese movies, at least for people not in Japan. I mm. think it was also really important in Japan. I don't know for sure, but that's the what I suspect. Mm. Um, but I will say it's different. I prefer the old one in certain ways. But Mike does what Mike is going to do. And this is, I think, a much more brutal film, both in certain Violence. points, like yeah. the fucking when the, the dude's trying to kill himself point. with a fake, yeah. fake sword, but also the action of the guy fighting all the samurais with, with the bamboo uh, yeah. sword at the end. Now, so to be fair, movie- I've seen this movie more times than the original, too. So I might in some ways prefer this one if I'm watching it more. But I mm. think the original is just a different kind of filmmaking in my mind. So this is the, the brief synopsis of the movie. Basically yeah, it starts in the middle of the story wherein a young, what we presume to be Ronin samurai comes to the house, uh, a house of uh, what's it ill. I forget the name of the, of the house, yeah. but um, he comes and he asks the Lord of the house if he would be, if they would allow him to commit seppuku or harakiri, which is a traditional suicide in their courtyard. Uh, the understanding is that if you're a disgraced samurai, then if you were to commit harakiri in um, a house of repute, that your nobility and that your honor is restored. And um, so, you know, it starts out with this guy coming in, just being like, I want to kill myself on your floor. And um, they allow him that, but then there's also this concept of um, this bluff, a suicide bluff that people are trying to do this to get money or that they try to do this and that like the house like tries to convince them not to do it and gives them money so that they go away and it's a bluff. So this house takes on this, like one of the, one of, one of the, um, the, the people in the house are like, no, no, we, we won't stand for a suicide bluff. If he's, if he's coming here to do this, he's going to do it. Right. So then, um, in Harakiri, the way it works is that you take your sword, you open up your stomach by yourself, and then there's a second samurai standing by that is the second, and he does the killing stroke on your neck, right? So then the kid is in there, and you realize that he's going to do it, but for some reason, he has a bamboo sword. And everyone's shocked by it, but then they're like, well, that's his sword, so he's going to do it. And the retainer who uh, is doing the second is particularly cruel. So the kid, he asks for three Ryo. We don't explain why at this point in the movie. And um, nobody says anything, but then he, he, he's impl- implored to actually commit Harakiri, which he does, with a wooden sword. So he takes this wooden fucking sword and he stabs himself in the stomach. And um, the retainer who's supposed to do, administer the second, he's just watching him. And the kid is suffering. He's killing himself with a wooden sword for crying out loud. And he looks to the retainer and he asks him to for the second. And he says, no, you must twist the blade. 
And uh, basically, he just wants the kid to suffer more before the second like killing strike is administered, right? And it's horrific. This scene takes like 10 minutes to happen, and it's just this poor young kid stabbed himself in the stomach with a wooden sword that then breaks into another like splinter, and he keeps on going, and he keeps on stabbing himself with his sword. And it's so bad because like the whole house is watching while this kid is doing it and just like screaming in the middle of their courtyard where um, the actual leader of the house is horrific. He's horrified and he's, he gets up from where he's sitting and he runs over and he grabs a sword and he himself administers the second blow. So that's like the first 20 minutes of the movie. And you don't really know what happened. You don't know why this kid's doing all this stuff. And, you know, he asks for the three Ryo and then Another guy comes to the same house and has the same request. Can I commit Harakiri in your courtyard? And they ask him if he knew the kid before, and you realize that this guy is that kid's father or adoptive father, right? Because, like, yeah. the kid is the son of, uh, of, like, so what happens is the rest of the, tori- the story is told in retrospect, right? In hindsight, like, it's a flashback almost. And you, you end up building the story that brings us to this point. And you find out that the kid has he was his his dad was another samurai and his dad dies from like what I think is a heart attack. And then like he ends up being adopted by uh, his dad's friend who is also a samurai and um, he has a daughter and they're both widowed. Right. Like so the kid's mom is dead and the and the, the samurai who adopts the kid, his his wife is dead. So he takes care of this kid as like he's his own son and he has a daughter named Miho and um, they end up. Falling in love, this the the orphan kid and, and Niho fall in love and they start a family, but then the, the daughter is sickly and she gets sick, but they're poor because this is a time of peace and there's no need for samurai to be paid to fight people because no one's fighting. And um oh man, and it just goes into like he realizes that if he does commit Harakiri, he'll be able to get money to um bring his sick wife and now sick child to a doctor who's demanding that they pay this three Ryo before they can be treated. And it all goes south. It goes horribly wrong. So the kid dies and then the, then the the dude commits seppuku and he dies, but then he gets the money, but then she kills herself when she realizes that her son and, and her husband are dead. Oh my God. And then our man, the grandfather, the, he goes back to the same house and he goes there to show that this whole code of honor that these samurai supposedly live and die by is just bullshit. And the reason that his whole family is now dead is just cast bullshit. And it's amazing. It's so poetic by the end of the movie that I, I couldn't help but cry. It's so powerful. So it's important good. to keep in mind that this man is a ronin because the shogun has some sort of weird beef with the house that he's a part of. And so he dissolves the house. And then this dude's just fucked. And yeah. by the end of the movie, this battle happens where he takes on all these samurai with a with a practice sword. With a and, bamboo sword. And the point of it is to say, hey, you guys may be employed. You may be under the service of this, you know, warlord, this daimyo. But uh, guess what? I'm a better fucking warrior than all you motherfuckers. And mm-hmm. I just make umbrellas. Like I'm, that's what I do is I make umbrellas and I can kick out everyone here's his ass. I could fucking destroy anyone in this goddamn place. And he basically does. I mean, they eventually get yeah. the better of him, uh, but 
he it's pretty clear he's a much better warrior than any of these idiots who are all stupid and suck and are cowards. And it's not just that they're bad at fighting. They're fucking afraid of him. They're afraid yeah. of him and, and his bamboo defend, sword. They can't defend their entire home and the and the armor, the sacred armor of the house against the man with a bamboo sword, which is essentially what that final battle goes to show. And then, like, the tagline at the end, or at least the epilogue, is that the Shogun comes to the house and he asks, you know, if the armor that gets knocked over, whatever, is polished. And he's like, yeah, it's the most important thing in our house. Yeah. Oh, so so, so good. Can I make a musical reference here, Josh? And I think you'll get what I'm saying. Sometimes when someone's forming a hardcore band, right, Mm. they form a band and it sounds like, well, I already mentioned them once. So let's go back here. It sounds like Born to Expire Leeway, right? Mm. And it sounds exactly like it. And it sounds that way because Born to Expire Leeway is sick, and they want to mm. sound that way. And then sometimes a band forms, and it does its own goddamn thing, right? Mm. For me, some of these more modern samurai movies, they feel like those bands that, like, maybe they don't completely break the mold, but they change it in a lot of ways and i think if you're a fan of some of those classic samurai movies that might be hard for you there are probably samurai people who watch now granted he's remaking harakiri which is a different kind of movie anyway Mm. right but i think this is true of other like if you watch twilight samurai there's almost no fighting in twilight samurai you know the Mm. same way as in harakiri there's some fighting towards the end but most of harakiri there's no fucking fight it's all philosophical Yeah, yeah, Yeah. yeah yeah and the drama and trauma that and I think for some people, they're like, well, it's not, you know, it's not uh, Lady Snowblood. It's not fucking, uh, you know, uh, Throne of Blood or mm-hmm. uh, Lone Wolf and Cub or whatever samurai shit that you love. Right. Well, you know, that those things exist already. Right. And they're really fucking good. And so maybe if you want to, you could do something else that still has aspect like the final fight scene in this pretty fucking epic. You know yeah, what I mean? It's agreed. pretty yes. fucking good. Even though you know he ain't gonna stab none of these motherfuckers because yeah, he he's got a bamboo win. sword. Yeah. 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 But yeah. it doesn't matter because it's amazing. Um that's how I feel about about this and about a lot of these more modern movies. And I like that. Now that's not to say you couldn't do a modern movie that was a very traditional samurai movie, but it's mm-hmm. always gonna feel pastiche. It's always gonna feel homage. Yeah. It's always gonna feel like a like a reference to the, the same as if you're doing a spaghetti western now. Right. Mm-hmm. It's not going to feel gonna, new. Yeah. It'll still be fun. It could even be better in some ways than a spaghetti Western. But that's what you're doing. And you know, that's what you're doing is you're recreating something. You're not mm-hmm. doing something new. And I think with what I like about Harakiri, I think this is also true to a smaller extent about 13 Assassins, even though it's more classic samurai. It does do something different. Mm-hmm. But I fucking love it about Twilight Samurai. And I was going to say, like, maybe that's another one we need to do in the future. Which Twilight I've never samurai. seen. Yeah, I've never seen. Oh, Twilight it's samurai. a brilliant. It a it's a too. brilliant fucking movie. Uh, but a lot of these more newer samurai movies is not only are they designed to be even more critical of the samurai system than these older movies are, they also are designed to do something a little different, to be more about characters and emotions Mm. and the society. And I think that's great, especially if they can do that and still work in at least one fight. You know what I mean? I I, just give me a little, give me a little taste of what brought me here (laughs) in the first place. A little tease of why I'm here. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah. And this movie 100% delivers. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Dude. The, the, there's a scene in the movie, again, spoiler, I'm spoiling a movie from 2011, where the baby dies. Yeah. And it is so brutal. It is so brutal. It's, it's fucking heartbreaking. 
Yeah, because the kid... Okay, so, like, there's the scene where the kid makes... You see him make up his mind that he's going to go commit Harakiri to get the money needed to bring his sick daughter... Or his sick wife and his sick child to a doctor. And he goes and he does it, and his grand, or his father, the grandfather of the baby, and the wife, they don't know where he goes. He just says he'll be back with the money. And in the time that he's gone, that's when the baby dies. And it's such a horrific scene because, like, the baby's sick and then it dies and then the mom starts screaming and she's yelling, you know, King Joe, King Joe, and, like, the kid's dead. And that's when they bring the body of the son back. So it's like that and then the, then the dad turns around and they're saying, you know, is this the house of um, the, the kid's name? And he says, yeah, and they, they deliver his body and the three Ryo that he requests as his dying wish. And the dad chases down the two retainers who brought the body of his son. When he gets back, after he questions them on what happened, the daughter has killed herself next to the body of the son. So there's three dead-ass people now in this house that maybe 10 minutes prior did not have any dead people. And I think it's important to keep in mind that the film, the film is obviously critical of the inclination to self murder right mm, yeah. uh but that's not the problem right the problem is the society it, is the, the cast it's the money yeah it's, it's, it's the fact it's that all these that. are poor people yeah that are just trying to survive it, it, it almost suggests that in a more just world someone deciding to kill themselves for honor maybe that wouldn't be so bad maybe that yeah. would just be a personal decision that they made and maybe it would be honorable maybe but the honor is such bullshit it's such yeah. an obvious way to control the lives of poor people to force loyalty and obedience to avoid social strife is this concept of honor that the, anything done for honor especially killing oneself is made stupid and ludicrous it's it's made yeah. into a fucking joke but that joke is real. It costs real lives. And, and those people are not honored. And so like the, the, this is a bitter fucking movie. I mean, th there's a hard edge to a lot of samurai movies. You know, there's not a lot of upbeat samurai movies, mm. but, uh, but this is an angry fucking movie. And, it, and it's, you know, for Mike, who is, you know, a filmmaker that I think has an edge in general, this is mm. one of his angriest movies that I've seen. It's, Agreed. it's, yeah. it's a bitter it's the fucking one that movie. is the most potent in terms yeah. of like, his politic. Yeah, I agree. Right? Like, it's the one that's the most on the surface politic. And it's so good. Oh, yeah. Brilliant. Uh, and not just the direction, which I think is really strong, uh, or even just the storytelling. A lot of this is the performances. Because mm, it's such a small movie. Yes. In that it only takes place across, like, a certain amount of characters. Yes. But I think unlike the other movie, like this, this movie, unlike Goyokin, this movie definitely has the agency isn't in the characters, but in the movements that they represent. Sure. Yeah, I could see that. Does that make sense? Like, yeah, it's not even just about the honor of a samurai. It's about poverty. It's about resource. And it's about um, what poor people have to deal with to live in a society that's still has cast systems like so the end of it when he takes the top knots of the three retainers that were there to that part is so brutal yeah because he's like they won't show their faces because i've removed their top knots and, their and, they, and they all have to commit seppuku you know they all have yeah. to, to kill themselves uh koji yakusha is the actor he is 
unbelievable in this. He and uh, and, so and not good. just him, right? Like there's every performance, I think, whether it's uh the younger guy is uh uh Ita Nagayama. Mm. Um unbelievable. She's so good in it too. Unbelievable. Yeah. And then the, the the daughter, she's so good. Yeah, what is her name? Is that Hikari Mitsushima? Yeah. She is also just brings something extra. That the, the movie is gonna be great, even if she's not. That's why I think the performances stand out to me because they're above and beyond what they need to be for this movie to work. And yeah. it makes the movie that much better. The thing that really irritated me, if there was one thing that I had to point out, it's like the fact that when she gets sick, they do it in the way that everybody does it, where it's like, everything's cool. And then she goes, <laughs> and then two minutes later, she's throwing a blood on the floor trying to wash it up with her OB and all that stuff. It's like, oh, come on, man. Like, really? To, Which I okay. get it. To yeah, you can't fair. really show it any other way. And I understand. Well, but, but also, she, I mean, I think the idea is that there was a time in the world, like this is in the 1600s, this movie is set. Uh, uh, I think 1600s, right? Is that yeah, right? 1600s. Yep. 1680. Uh, uh, that um, consumption was a big fucking deal. So yeah. like when people do that, they're specifically referencing consumption. And that makes sense because consumption killed a lot of motherfuckers. But I'm with you. It, it, the fact that it's become such a filmic trope, even yeah. though it makes sense, it'd be like, it's like how certain queer films from the 80s, right? Uh, everything, or I would say later 80s, early 90s, everything was AIDS, right? Mm -hmm. And so if you're a younger person, you might be thinking, why are all these movies about AIDS? But if you live through it, you're like, well, because AIDS killed everyone. What are you yeah, talking about? There was, there yeah, was yeah, nothing yeah. more important than that. But like over time, it becomes whatever. So I think at this point, it would be fun if they could come up with a different way because we all know how important consumption was, but it's mm -hmm. become such a film trope that it's hard not to feel like it's corny, but yeah. I don't, it, it is, it is historically accurate. You know what I mean? Like yeah, I'm kind of torn. Yeah, on I it, get you know? it. I don't really know how else you would do it, but once you see someone cough in these movies, you're like, Oh, okay. Same thing happened in finding Neverland. <laughs> Ma's like <laughs> dead. That's it. And, um, okay. I'll give you that. That's fine. That's fine. But um, overall, I also think that the visual style of this movie is so beautiful. Agreed. This is another movie that uses snow yes. in the final sequences to um, just, I guess snow and blood are great contrasts. I don't know. I'm not a filmmaker, Liam. I just know what I like when I see it. And this movie is fucking gorgeous. There's a lot of like, you know, uh, rural Japan and all this stuff in here. I definitely think it's funny that in Gaokin there's references to Ido and that the other Ronin is from Ido and he's like, I'm not going back to Ido. And in this movie, they're like, Well, here we are in Ido. <laughs> it's like, wow, what was Ido? Like <laughs> I know it's in a lot of the Lone for Cub comic books, so I get it. It's like a you know center city kind of thing. But like it's like for poor people. <laughs> it's so ridiculous. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, let's own that. That our analysis of both of these films is limited by our deep ignorance of Japan. You know what I mean? Deep like, ignorance of Japanese yeah. culture and film culture and film. Yeah. Period. I don't. I wouldn't go that far. But Not still. even Japanese film. Just film. Stop. Full stop. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah I mean, again, there's something about uh, like I think on a really base level, right? Mm -hmm. This movie, I think, is better than Goyokin in certain ways. Like, I just think it's, there's just something about Mike's style that I mm. think he is a more accomplished director and the tightness of this story, it comes across and the power of it comes across. I will say 
Goyokin is a little bit more my speed most of the time because mm. this movie is fucking brutal. This is the third time I've seen it. I don't know if I need to watch it again anytime soon. I at least need to like feel better before I watch it again because <laughs> it asks a lot of you, right? Whereas Goyokin, again, serious movie, good acting, serious subject matter. Also mostly fun, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. if you're the kind of person who has fun watching people fight to the death for things that they care about, this is a fun movie. Yeah. Harakiri, if anyone was like, you know, I had a lot of fun watching Harakiri, Death of a yeah. Samurai, I'd be like, the fuck is wrong with you? It's like, like people who tell mean? me that Schindler's List is their favorite movie. You're Get like, the fuck out of here. Favorite is the word you'd use? No, yeah, no, no. Harakiri, definitely. I've seen it twice. I definitely cried both times that I saw it. Yeah. It is not an uplift. There is no redemption at the end that has a rainbow or a fart of gold or any of that stuff. I mean, if anything, they just reshow the scene when the baby is born and everyone's happy. <laughs> like, okay. It's like the right. one but that's, five that, minute But that's salt, that's salt in the wound. That's just yeah, to like no, make the tragedy that much more uh, uh, heartbreaking, you know? And it's effective. Yeah. It's a good call. It's a smart thing to do. And I was very sad. <laughs> yeah, it's a sad fucking movie. That said, longtime listeners of the show will tell you Josh and Liam aren't into being happy. So guess what? I mean, we I both am. Love I this am flick. very yeah, much into being happy, but it's not the only thing I'm into. <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, do do I did I need to watch a little My Hero Academia after watching this movie? Yes, I did. Yeah, that's my that's that's, that's my new that's one. that's yeah. my new obsession. By the way, I forgot to mention it. <laughs> Whack it on track. I've been watching a lot of My Hero Academia. Cool. It's cool. not cool at all, <laughs> but I love it. I love it, Josh. Plus Ultra. Hey, Plus Ultra. You gotta you'll, love, baby. You gotta love. I don't you'll, know what that means. You're gonna watch it sometime just because I told you to, and then yeah, or either... I'll watch it because you told me not to. And then yeah, that's true. Like, oh, don't watch yeah. it, Josh. You'll hate it. <laughs> All right. So I think that's a good point for us yeah, to stop I about agree. this discussion of these two fine movies. Which, by the way, I think was a pretty good pairing because it definitely felt like yeah. I did the gamut of like samurai movies from old to new to from hot to cold. Like this is, I mean, they both happen in the winter, but still not, not that detail, notwithstanding. Well, and I think it, the, the deeper level thing that all I would say about Harkiri is that like the reason I brought up that it's more about the society is that I worry that the reason sometimes uh, there can be a vibe to watching a movie about ritual suicide in Japan that is very exploitative. It's very much. Yeah. Us suicide as, circle, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah us yeah. as Westerners being like, can you believe these crazy fucks? They kill themselves. <laughs> That's which, a thing. A, by the way, yeah. is not real because we kill ourselves too. But B, yeah. uh, there's a certain like colonialist viewpoint to it. So it's important for me to point out that while suicide is a theme of this movie, the issue is the class and the royalty yeah. and the honor code and all the other bullshit that makes lives hard for these people. That suicide is not great, but I mean. It's, it's also kind of the secondary yeah, thing of yeah, the movie, despite agreed. the title yeah. of the movie. Yeah. So, you know. Yeah. 100% so, recommend, though. If you, yep. I mean, I want to see the original now, but uh, if you have like a brief relationship with Mike, maybe this is a place that you'd like to find yourself because it's a masterful work by an artist almost at the top of his game. Yeah. And say. I think, I think sometimes off brand Mike hits people in a weird way. Like, I know. What was that Ninja other kids? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. There's the kids one or the, he did a samurai. He did a manga samurai one recently, right? What was the one? That was played to the immortal. Yep. Yeah. Did you like that? I loved it. Yeah. I know a lot of people who didn't love it. 
who were like kind of yeah. medium, medium on it. But I think that I get that not everything Mike does sort of works for everybody. You know what I mean? I mean, for um, a man who's so prolific with yeah, so it's many crazy. different but, tools but in his box. I, yeah. I really would put this in like his top 20, which is crazy that you could have a top 20 for a director, but this is Mike. That's who Mike is. It's still is. crazy. He's directed a hundred movies. It's out of control and and to think so many movies i I, I can't name another director where i'm like i've only seen 15 of his movies so i can't really tell you (laughs) i don't i don't know what i think of him as a director josh because i've only seen 15 of this motherfucker's movies (laughs) of 100 you missed out on 85 yeah (laughs) i'm guessing it might be more than 15 but i feel like i definitely haven't seen 100 i've seen maybe 15 or 20 at the most you know so that means i mostly don't know know his career you know (laughs) And he's one of those. Can you know his career? I don't know. I like what I've seen. Yeah, that's where I'm I agree. At. I agree. And the, the, the you know you know me. I'm one of the few people that isn't in love with Ichi the Killer. Yeah, I think, I'm not so much in love with it. I either. think that's one of the few that I really don't like. I think a lot of his movies, even the ones that are super fucked, I really like. And then some of yeah, them, like I love audition. Uh, when we did the audition episode, yeah. we loved it. Or know? the the ha- what's the happiness of the categories? Yeah, fucking brilliant love that movie. Brilliant yeah. fucking movie. Genius. But that's only a toe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. All right. We're done. We're done. All right. Thank you so much for listening. As always, please rate, review, and subscribe because it's the currency that podcasters such as ourselves really do appreciate and work on. Um, and, you know, we're, we're not asking much. Tell a friend. Tell a maybe friend. You, maybe your homeboy is watching a movie. You're like, you know what? Cinepunks is an episode on that. Here's, the, here's a link. You know what I'm Gra- saying? Grab their phone. Go in their podcast app, <laughs> hit subscribe, and, and hit subscribe for them. Yeah, you know you're, you're helping them at the end. And yes, yeah, I agree. So thank you so much for listening. This is episode 152, done and done, and we will talk to you sooner than later. Bye bye. Smoke bomb. Do you like spooky movies? Hair raising tales. Insightful criticism. Judgmental hot takes. Then you're gonna love Car Business, the horror podcast on the Cinepunks Podcast Network, dedicated to all things weird and spooky. My name is Leo Donald. And I'm Justin Lore. And every episode, we're going to tear apart your favorite and not-so-favorite horror movies to get to the bottom of what makes these movies great, or maybe not great. <laughs> Whether it's The Beyond, Prince of Darkness, or Inseminoid, we dive in on a double feature every episode, and then we talk about it. Some of our insights are great, and sometimes we just complain. So if we have to suffer through it, so do you. Horror Business, available anywhere you find fine podcast products.